let me uh, talk about this new short series that we're going to go through. So for the next few weeks, we're going to go through the, the first two chapters of First Corinthians. And if you have been a part of this church for a while now, you might remember that about four years, four and a half, five years ago, uh, I think it was, um, we also went through the book of First Corinthians. And I'm going to go through the same passages Um, But this is not the same series because we as a church, we've developed, we've grown. Um, I, as as I've studied this book more, I've I've learned a little bit more. So we're going through the same passages that we went through five years ago, but the sermons are different. So I was really tempted to just copy and paste my documents from 2017 and just call it a day. But that's not what we're doing today. So and not for the next few weeks. But the reason why we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians is because... Uh, this book is about the church, and in it, Paul is writing to this church that's really struggling in the, in the first century, and the Corinthian church, I'll talk a little bit more about the context, but there's, there's so many good things in the book of 1 Corinthians for us to take away. Um, what is the purpose of the church? What is the message of the church? Who are the people that make up the church? Why does it matter that we're all so different? Why does it matter that we're all sinners? Why does it matter that God has called this particular group of people in this particular time, in this particular place, to be a people to worship him together? So that's why we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And I'm excited to go through the the first two chapters with you in the coming weeks. So... With that, let's read our text today. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And this is in your bulletin. It's also on the screen if you're following along online on the live stream. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. The first nine verses. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of God. One of my favorite websites on the internet is um, sweetwater.com. And if you're a musician, you might be aware of this website. Um, This is, I believe, the largest musical instrument, musical gear website on the internet. And I just like to go on there and I like to look at the guitars. I like to look at the audio equipment, stuff that I'll never be able to afford. Um, I just like to look at the stuff. And uh, I'm also a loyal customer. And I've I've been shopping from them for maybe 20 plus years and um what really cemented my loyalty to this to this company was um so if you know anything about the company with every order you make you're given a bag of candy small bag of candy it's got like a tootsie roll maybe some hard candies in there 
And um, I ordered a, a small order, maybe like $40, $50 worth of stuff years ago. And there was no bag of candy in that box. So I sent a little note to the, uh, to the um, company, uh, just jokingly, because I'm not a huge sweets person. I like sweets, but... Um, I just, uh, you know, I was, uh, had a lot of time on my hands, bored. So I said, uh, I wrote them. I said, hey, like, I didn't get a bag of candy with my box. And I thought that there was the end of it. Nothing would be done about it. But two days later, I received a box about this big in the mail. And it was a glass jar completely filled with candy. And along with that, in that box was a note from the president of this company, a handwritten letter from the president of this huge company saying, like, hey, Wade, we're so sorry that, um, that we forgot the candy. Here's uh, some candy to make up for it. It was that big. Um, I threw a bunch of it away because I couldn't eat it all. But um, they said, you know, thanks for being a customer. We hope that you'll forgive us. And uh, we're looking forward to doing business with you in the future. And I have been a loyal customer ever since. And Sweetwater, this is what they're known for. They're known not just for their amazing musical gear, but they're known for their excellent customer service. And over the years, I've, I'll, I'll get calls from, from, you're assigned one particular person to do sales with, and you can ask them any questions. And um, I get calls from this guy, his name's Brandon. And uh, <laughs> for, for, uh, for all these years, sometimes just also, he'll call me saying like, hey, um, I noticed that you bought like a $20 strap. Want to make sure that everything's okay? Uh, let us know <laughs> if there are any problems with it. Um, he'll call just to make sure things are cool. Um, I should send him just updates on my life too. Just let him know this is what's going on. But Sweetwater.com, they are known for their really good customer service. Um, what are things in your life? Maybe there are places that you know of that you know them. Uh, there's You know them for specific things. For example, um, if you're into fast food, Burger King is known as what? The home of the... Whopper. When you think Burger King, you think the Whopper. Um, they have many other items, but you think this is the home of the Whopper. If you've been to New Orleans, um, you may be familiar with this place called Café du Monde. And what is Café du Monde known for? They're known for their beignets. Uh, years ago, I was in New Orleans, and I went there like twice in the span of 12 hours because uh, I was with some coworkers, and they said, let's go to the Café, Café du Monde, and uh, I had the beignets. And uh, at uh, 1 in the morning, I was like, oh, I want some more beignets. So I went, walked by myself to Café du Monde. If you go to New Orleans, you have to go to Café du Monde because of their beignets. This is what they're known for. If you're into nature, there is, what, the Redwood National Forest, if you guys have been there up north, and what are they known for? They're known for the redwoods. The tallest trees in the world are situated in this place. All these places, they're known for specific things. Now, let me ask you this question. What comes to mind when you think about the church? What comes to mind when you think about Indelible Grace Church? What's the first thing that comes to mind? I think that there are many answers to this question, um, just based on your experience with this church, based on how you've been engaged in the church. First off, let me talk about what the church should be. The church is a place where we gather. It's where we fellowship. We sing to God. We pray to him. We hear from him through his word. Hopefully the gospel is preached here every week. The sacraments are administered. The people of God, we are equipped to carry out the Great Commission. This is where disciples are made. And today I want to talk about the, the church as a place where the faithfulness of God is made evident. When you think about the church, what do you think of? 
what I want us to think about is the church as a place where God's faithfulness is known. The title of today's sermon is this, The Church, colon, The Theater of God's Faithfulness, or The Theater for God's Faithfulness. And the image I want to evoke as we look at this title is this, when you look at the church, what should you be seeing? You should be seeing the faithfulness of God. So over in the course of the next few minutes, what I want to talk about is just how is the faithfulness of God made known in the church, specifically IGC, and um, what are we to do with that? So two points in your bulletin. Um, number one, what has God done? Number two, what God will do. What has God done? And number two, what God will do. So our first point is this. What has God done in the church? Look at verse three with me. It says, um, I'm sorry, verse two. Uh, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, to the called to be saints together. So this is the first thing that God has done. They have been called together. So the context of 1 Corinthians is this, that Paul wrote, Paul the missionary, he um, planted a church in the city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth was along this major trade route. And there were a lot of people that went in and out of the city, a lot of um, all different types of people. And uh, what we know of the Corinthian church is this, that there were many different types of people, people of different socioeconomic levels, different levels of education, different cultural and and ethnic backgrounds, um, religious and irreligious people. There were male, female, married, single, divorced, widowed, drunkards, teetotalers, loud people, quiet people, people all across the Myers-Briggs spectrum, or if you're into the Enneagram, all types and all wings of people, people of all different um, preferences and opinions, all these people converging in this place. And Paul is writing the book of Corinthians, First Corinthians, to this young church in Corinth um, along the Roman Empire. And like I mentioned, there was a lot of commerce happening on this trade route, which meant that there were all types of people coexisting um, and not necessarily coexisting happily. The people, the population of this place in Corinth was made of Greeks and Romans, meaning that there were cultural differences. This was a source of tension in the city. Religion was also a very big part of Corinth. Um, Temples and shrines, these were plentiful throughout the region and the main streets. There was immorality, particularly sexual immorality. And this was such a regular thing that it was just a part of life. And if you read through the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians, sexual immorality is mentioned because it it was a part of the life of the church as well. This is what pervaded the church. And all the issues that vexed the city of Corinth, they found their way into the church. Clashing worldviews, this immorality, corruption, confusion about religious truth. What is reality? And of course, if this were true, this would mean that in the church, problems were plentiful. Division was common. People were neglected. The believers, they hurt each other. And... Despite all these things, this is exactly what God wanted the church to be made up of. God wanted a church full of problems and full of sinners and full of sin. God designed it this way. He didn't design it to stay that way, but God had called these people with all their differences together. They've been called together. This is verse what verse 2 
tells us. By God's wise and loving design, they were called to be a church. There was another thing about this church that I think has particular relevance to us in the Bay Area. This is where people came to acquire wealth. And over the past decade, decade and a half, if you look at the Bay Area, how much of our growth is because people came to get jobs? Um, they wanted to de- develop, have some type of financial security, so people flocked to the Bay Area to get their riches, to get their careers established, to be able to sink roots down. And what this meant was people worked really hard, and it was a big source of pride for them. And if you're prideful, it means that you look down on other people. And if you look down on other people, it means that there is a disparity. You don't want to associate with the people that are not like you. You want to associate with people that could uh, lift you up. You want to associate with people that have clout. And this was this was particularly um, an issue for the Corinthian church because it highlighted the differences among the people of the church. There was a disparity. And yet God is saying... Look at all of you people with all of your different ways of lifestyles, with all your opinions, with all your likes and dislikes. You have been called together by God. So this is what we see, the first thing, that they are called together. And the second thing is this, that they were sanctified. In verse 2 again, it says they are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, what does it mean... um, in this particular context, if we look as we do study the book of First Corinthians, Paul is saying to these people who are already believers, despite all their issues, they're sanctified. Sanctification is being made like Christ. And if you're into theology, there is a phrase called positional or definitive sanctification. And what this means is this. It's a past tense thing that they have been already made perfect in Christ Jesus because of what Christ has done. They're holy, they're sanctified, they have been set apart for the work of the church and for the mission of the church and to glorify Jesus. So the Corinthian church, they have been called together, they have been sanctified. This is what binds them together and this is what binds us as a church together. If you look at the backgrounds of each other, you will find that there are huge differences. These are people that you may not ever associate with. But you're here, gathered together on a Sunday at the church. You're called together. And not only that, but you're called together because you are sanctified. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are definitively perfect before the eyes of God. Therefore, we can look at each other, despite all their flaws, despite all the reasons why you don't like them, They are perfect in the eyes of God, definitively sanctified. And this, what was true of the Corinthian church, is true of us. We make up the church. We are the church. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this phrase, but um, have you ever complained about being in traffic? And you say, oh man, I hate traffic. I hate being in traffic. Um, but if you think about it, and I, I read this in The Atlantic, um, the, the title, I don't remember the exact title, but uh, it was something along the lines of, you are not in traffic, you are traffic. Because you are part of the problem. As soon as you get on the freeway, you're part of the problem. And we can think of ourselves this way as well. You're not in the church, you are the church. When you come on Sundays, you're not coming to church, you're meeting with the church. You're meeting with these people that are called together. You're meeting with these people who are sanctified. 
So that means that the Corinthian church was the work of God and IGC is the work of God. So that's the first thing I want to point out, that they're, to, that they're called together, that they're, that they're sanctified. The second is a more broad observation. As we look at the text, we see that it's a very theocentric greeting that Paul is giving. Theocentric, meaning it's centered on what God has been doing. Look at verse 4. I thank my God for you. I thank my God for you. It's not because of who they are, but Paul is making a point that it's God who's doing the work. It's God who's the point of reference. Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, but God is center in this letter. It's a work of God. Because of the grace of God that was given to them. This is why Paul is writing to them. So there is a deliberate focus here on God, the Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is what should be true of Indelible Grace Church. Not primarily the pastor or the leaders or the ministry leaders or the session, but all of us. What has God done it's not through the people up here on this, on, at the front. God has been doing his work through Jesus Christ in his people. God needs to be the center of everything that we do. God needs to be central in our thinking. And as Paul goes on in these verses, we need to consider what he's writing. We need to consider what God has done. What are the evidences of God's faithfulness to his people as we look at verses 4 and 5, it tells us this, that God gave them grace. Grace is what God gives to you freely, not because you're deserving, but because He loves you, because He is good. And it's given to us through Christ. It's given to us in Christ. So it's not just that it's through Christ that God has given us His goodness, but it's also by God's grace that that we receive, that we're identified with Christ. And we are I, we're, we're represented by him and we are a part of his community. And this is what it means. That you are a part of this community um, because your primary identity is you belong to Christ. You're covered by the blood of Christ. Your righteousness is not your own. Your righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. This is what defines you. This is the grace that's given to you. Your, your identity in the place of this community is Jesus Christ. It's not your gifting, primarily. It's not your preferences, primarily. It's not because you are you fit into X, Y, and Z box. It's because you are in Jesus Christ. And this is a grace that can be only given, to, that you can only have if you're in Christ. So when you look at each other, think an image bearer of God, perfect in the sight of God, because they have the identity of Christ. And may this be true of Indelible Grace Church, that all of us primarily think of ourselves as um, saints called together, and we bear the name Christ. Let's continue on in verses 6 and 7. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, what is this testimony? What is a testimony about Christ? Paul says, this has been confirmed among you. Paul is saying this, that the existence of the church is a testament to what God has done. The fact that this church is around is a testament to the faithfulness of God. 
if we look at this word testimony, if we look at the Greek, it's, uh, it's actually the word is martyros, um, and this is where we get the word martyr from. And what is a martyr primarily? Mar- a martyr is not primarily someone who is killed for their faith, although that is true. A martyr is primarily someone who gives voice to something. And what does the church give voice to? The church gives a voice to the gospel. That's our testimony. The church is giving the voice to the gospel. This is our goal, to be a witness, to be a testimony to the world. Through the words and through the gospel change in their life, Paul is telling the Corinthians, the testimony of Christ was confirmed among them. And I think this is one of the key things about this passage today is this. How can we as a church be a testimony about Christ? We have to listen to the words of Christ. We need to submit to Christ. We need to speak Christ. I hope that one of our goals is to be that. Um, There are so many things this church can be and so many good things, and I hope that we can pursue them. We can be a place where people feel welcome. We can be a place where people are loving and can be loved. Um, Hopefully this can be a place where you can raise your family and grow. But beyond any of that, this needs to be a place where the testimony of Christ is made known and confirmed. When people look at our lives, they can say, there's something there that cannot be explained by human doing. Paul goes on, he says, look at this, that you are not lacking in any gift. God has gifted us to carry out his work. They're uniquely and undoubtedly gifted from God himself. And the word gift that we see in this passage is this word charisma. Um, this is a word you hear applied to people. If you think they're, if they're, they're very um, dynamic and they draw you in and compelling, we think here's someone who's very charismatic. And um, in certain circles of Christendom, some people call themselves charismatic because they say that they bear the gifts of the Spirit. Um, this is the where we get the word um, gifts from, charisma. Um, but what Paul is saying here is this: that you, Corinthian church, you have been uniquely gifted. You have the charisma, these gifts of God. No one can say it's because of what you've done that you're in the position position that you're in. All of us in the church, we're not people with skill sets to be used. We're beggars that have been given a billion dollars. And all of that comes from God. And everything that we have as a church comes from God. All of your skills, all your intellect, that comes from God. So that means that you cannot take pride in any of them. They're used to honor God. They're used to serve the church. And what are some of the gifts specifically that Paul is speaking of? He speaks of them in the other letters in in the New Testament. Romans 2, verse 4. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God's kindness and his patience with us, his graciousness to us, this is one of the elements of God's riches that we have. When God convicts you, that's a gift. When God tells you, um, repent, that's a gift. Ephesians 1, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. You are saved from an eternity in hell because God has given you His riches. Your sins have been forgiven. 
Ephesians 2, 7. In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We already have an eternal gift. And how big, how great, how how long and extensive is the gift that God has given us? What are the riches that God has given us? Paul says in Ephesians, For the next trillion, quadrillion, quintillion years, you're going to be worshiping God. You're going to be looking upon God. And that's only going to be scratching the surface, surface of the riches that you have. Whatever you experience on this earth, is point zero 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 zero. I could keep going for the next half hour. Point one percent of the riches that you have, and Paul says all of these things belong to you. All of this is true of you. And in the context of the church, these riches are expressed in the way that we interact with each other. It's expressed in the way that we serve the church. In this room, to those, if you're a part of this church watching online, you have been given gifts to serve this church. You've been given gifts to serve this community and each other. And what that means is that in this place, all the members on our roster roll, this is what God, these are the people that God has called together. And we have so much power. We have so many gifts. Everything that we have in this church is all that we need. We have the members of this church who promised to, to support and serve the church to the best of their ability. We have the word of God, which tells us everything that we need to know for godliness and salvation. We have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to carry out his word, his will. There is so much in this church. If we could only understand all that we have, we could serve with boldness and courage and fearlessness. And it's because God is faithful. By the grace of God, Indelible Grace Church can be a place where people can say, yes, God is here. Yes, the Holy Spirit moves. Yes, Jesus is worshipped. If you want to know whether or not God has been faithful to our church, you can look at our history, 12 years, 12 plus years that God has sustained us and been good to us. And he's given us these gifts. He's given us each other. Yes, God has been faithful. Look at IGC and look at how God is faithful. So that's the first thing. What has God done? And second point is this, what God will do. Verse 7, it tells us this, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is telling the church, There is a destination. There's something to anticipate. Paul is saying this. This, whatever we're living in right now, this place, this is not all there is. You're being carried to a specific time and place. The revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Marshall led us in the song earlier, um, one day when we hear the trumpets. The day of Jesus Christ, when all of our faithfulness will be vindicated. When everything that we've done, we can say, that was worth it. That was worth it. There's more to our faith and the life of this church than just now. There is a day to look forward to the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God's work in your life is preparing you for that day. God is preparing you for that day when you will see Jesus. 
Verse 8, God will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6, this is one of the precious promises for the believer. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is one of the themes of Paul's writing throughout the New Testament. This uh, eschatological viewpoint that there is the day of Christ Jesus and it's being prepared for us right now. And what is Paul saying? That in every single moment, God is doing something in our lives and it's doing something to make us more like who he wants us to be so that you can better receive the goodness and the grace and the love and the mercy that God has for you. So verse 8, I'm going to look at two of the words in this verse. Number one, what does it mean to be sustained? There's another word for this in Greek. Um, It can be also translated establish. God sustained you. God has established you. Um, Years ago, I I struggled with asthma. Um, It was a big part of my life. And for uh, 10 plus years, I had trouble breathing. Um, so I had all the all the inhalers that the doctors prescribed, albuterol, budesonide. Twice a day, I would do the um, the two inhalers, and this was to make sure that I could breathe. And if I there, I had some incidents where there were some times when I thought, oh, dude, I'm gonna die because I can't breathe. I don't have my inhaler. Um, a few of those times, and I was dependent on these inhalers to sustain me to be able to breathe. Um, I, th- that isn't such a problem for me now, but I think back on those times, and I think back. Man, if three minutes passed by without me breathing, I'd be dead. I needed something to sustain me. When Paul talks about God sustaining his people, he's talking to talking about more than just little by little, God is going to give you these things. He's saying, you have been established in what God has given you. What God gives you is not an inhaler, because God is not, God is not a stingy with his gifts. God gives you, it's in... in uh, taking my, uh, my my metaphor, he gives you healthy lungs that work at full capacity and there's a world worth of oxygen to breathe. This is what it means to be established. You have everything that you need and you will not move. And practically for us, it means that God gives us what we need in the moment. He gives us what we need Sunday by Sunday. But it comes from an endless storehouse of his goodness and grace toward us. We are sustained. We are established in this truth. God will always do his work. And God says, we will be guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is another word, if we, if we look at the translation, another word we can um, think of is this. We're unimpeachable. And this is a courtroom imagery that Paul gives us. We will be found innocent on the day of Christ Jesus. We're going to be found innocent, not because, again, of our goodness, but because of what Christ has done. Christ has been the running thread throughout all of this. And the gospel is this, that though we have rebelled and sinned against God, he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, who stood on our place receiving the penalty for our sins that we deserve. And God, Christ received our sin... And we receive God's righteous, Christ's righteousness. And when God looks at us, he always sees us ultimately as unimpeachable, guilt, guiltless, innocent. No charge can be brought against us. And this is the truth for the Corinthian church. You're established in what God has done. 
and your position before him will never change. You are righteous and innocent because of what Christ has done. And let me end with verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You're called into, if you're a believer, you're called into fellowship with each other, but you're called ultimately into fellowship, into the fellowship that's identified by his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Paul says this, God is faithful. The fact that we can gather together, the fact that we can be in Christ, the fact that we can know Christ and worship Christ and respond to Christ and listen to Christ, and one day we will be presented before presented Christ will be presented to us at the day of his revealing all these things can be true because Paul says verse 9 God is faithful God is faithful you've been called into the fellowship of his son this uh, the word fellowship is this word koinonia um, you may have heard of it before this is a word that I've heard, that sometimes people use there's um there's like koinonia coffee house there's koinonia um, campgrounds, there's koinonia, you can apply it, put it on mugs or whatever. Um, but there is a deep meaning to this word. And what it is, is this. Fellowship, it means a covenant participation in the work of God. So God is always doing something in the world. Um, throughout every square inch of the world, God is doing his work. God is doing a work that can be only done by him. And what is fellowship? It's Participating in what God is doing in the context of the covenant. God works primarily through, if we look at the storyline story of the Bible, God works primarily, primarily through covenant. And it's, in, it's through the covenant, the new covenant, that we can have this fellowship with Jesus Christ. And when you identify with Christ, you are bound to this koinonia. There is a covenant participation. If you are a believer in Christ, you cannot live an isolated life. You need to be a part of the church. Let me say that again because this is uncomfortable. This is something that I don't like sometimes because I'm more of an introvert. I like, I just, it's difficult for me um, really to engage with people on a meaningful level. And the idea of fellowship sounds really good until you think about what it really means. Um, And for some of us who have, just maybe bad experiences with the church. People, or we just, you're, you're comfortable um, not being a part of the church. Let's face it. Coming to church is difficult sometimes. Being a part of this community is difficult sometimes. It requires sacrifice. It requires you put your preferences aside. It requires that you interact with people that you are not particularly comfortable with. You may not want to associate with them. But this is what koinonia is. It's participating in the work of God in the life of others and in the context of community. So if you're a believer in Christ, you have to be a part of a community. You have to be part of a church. It does not, you do not do this to be saved, but if you're a Christian, there's no way you can't be a part of a church. I don't know how to say this strongly enough. Um, I need to say it strongly to myself because I, I get paid to be a part of this church. But honestly, if I'm going to be really honest with you, um, sometimes I, just don't want to, I don't want to be part of a church. Um, that's the honest truth. And I bet you, if you talk to your other pastor friends, there are weeks when they say, I don't want to be here. Um, but this is what we're called to. We're bound by koinonia, participating in what God is doing, the covenant participation. 
God is faithful to you. God is faithful in this church. And it's by that faithfulness. If you believe, if you know that God is faithful, then you too can participate in the faith work of God. God's faithfulness to us is the basis of our faithfulness, not just to him, but to each other in the context of the church. There is no such thing as fellowship without multiple people, different people, people that you may not have anything in common with, people that hurt you, people that you dislike and who dislike you. But this is what koinonia is. And if you are a member of this church, if you are a believer in Christ, that what was true of the Corinthian church is true of you, that you have been called together with the saints, sanctified. God will sustain you until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ you are established you are guiltless before him that is your identity and this is what binds the church together and in the coming weeks we'll talk more about what it means to be a part of the church what is the message that we proclaim how is it that I can speak about things with such confidence if you know me you probably know that I'm I myself don't have many intelligent things to say um I don't really, people, that's a thing about me, Um, but I have the word of God. Um, I think the Holy Spirit of God is working in me, and I think he's working in this church. Um, So that's what we have to look forward to. But as we uh, think about these things, think about this. You have been called to be with each other. Um, If you're a member of this church, that is your calling Your faith is meant to be lived out in the context of community. And if that is true, Indelible Grace Church will be a theater of God's faithfulness. And when we look at each other, when other people look at Indelible Grace Church, they can say, man, this church has its issues, but there's no doubt God is working. There's no God that God is faithful. May that be true of us. Will you pray with me? Father, um, make it true of us that we are a church that honors you by submitting to you, by being sensitive to your spirits, by preaching your word faithfully, by loving each other faithfully, God. Make this true of our church. And I pray that as we do that, as we as we become this type of church, that you would shape us and that Jesus Christ would be honored. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.